It is Super Bowl week, and the game is just a couple of days away, and I look forward to this conversation with a guy that I met during the Pro Bowl right here in Orlando just a couple of years ago. He is Casey Joyner, the football scientist. You can find him at thefootballscientist.com. He joins us now here on Live Local and Loud. Uh, Casey, man, I really do appreciate the time. I'm sure you're excited about the game uh, right down in Tampa. Are you going to be staying in Orlando, or are you going to head down for the game on Sunday? Now I am I am Orlando bound for this one. Love to head down that way, but tickets are awful hard to come by. Oh yeah, yes, yes, they are. They are awful hard to come by. They have the uh, the first responders that are going to be there. My wife is a nurse, actually. I was trying to get her on the list for the two of us, but I was uh, I was unsuccessful. I'll just I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I pushed a little bit, but uh, I too will be on my uh, on my couch for this one. Uh, let's break the game down a little bit. Uh, I've listened to uh, quite a few of the interviews you've done this week. I guess a- as we approach the game on Sunday from a thirty thousand feet view, how-, how do you look at this matchup? Is is it really a three point game, Kansas City edge, or do you think Tampa is maybe the team that uh, that that you think has an edge in this one? Well, I'll put it this way. Um, this is a game where I, I, it's going to depend on if they can turn this game into a shootout, meating Tampa. If they can turn this game into a shootout being a game where each team scores 24 or more points. Over the past three years, since Patrick Mahomes took over as Kansas City's full-time starter, the Chiefs are 16-9 and in shootout games. They're 28-2 and if you don't get them into a shootout, and one of those losses was the meaningless Week 17 loss against the Chargers. So 28-1, and basically, in non-shootout games. That means Tampa has to score a minimum of 27 points. If they don't do that, I think it's going to be near impossible for them to win this game. So I think it's all going to start on if they can get to that point level, because if they can't and they go non-shootout mode and they try and keep with a low-scoring game, it just favors Kansas City every time. Yeah, wow, that's quite a statistic. They've lost one true game when the opponent has not scored at least 24 points, so a shootout. And and that seems that sounds like it goes against conventional wisdom, though, right, Casey? Where you would think if you're if you're Tampa, run the football, limit the amount of possessions that Patrick Mahomes has the football, but they're so successful on offense that what you're really doing is just limiting possessions for you to score and stick with them. It would seem like it would be that, but here's the thing. Kansas City had the fifth lowest number of drives this year, and they had almost every game, I think it was 13 games this year, they had 10 or fewer drives. Tampa, on the other hand, had the fifth most amount of drives this year, and almost all of their games they had 11 or more drives. It's like Kansas City has decided what we're going to do, and they figured this out because they went 5-5 five and five in shootout games in 2018 that they lost in the conference championship, and I think Andy Reid at that point, that's when they changed defensive quarters, and they said, we can't just let our defense, hope that our defense can hold the other team down in points. We have to make sure we help on offense. So between running the ball like they did in 2019 or passing the ball but trying to milk the clock at the same time like they do in 2020, they're trying to reduce the drive volume to make sure that we only have eight or nine drives. They only had eight drives against Cleveland, and they only had nine drives against Buffalo, 17 drives total. And, and Tampa Bay has, I think it was 12 drives against Green Bay alone. So Kansas City likes to slow the game down, make sure that we only have eight or nine drives. We think we can outperform you on those drives. Whereas Tampa, because of the no-risk-it-no-biscuit approach, they tend to take more chances, and I think they want volume of drives to give them the opportunity to offset any mistakes they make by taking that high-risk approach. Wow, it brings a whole new meaning to a good defense is actually a good offense. They're protecting their defense with that offense by keeping them out there on the field. He's Casey Joyner, the football scientist here on Live Local and Loud, Super Bowl 55, coming up on Sunday in Tampa. Uh, You're an analytics guy, Casey. Uh, You look deep into the numbers. Tom Brady. 
Brady at 43 years old through 40 touchdowns this year, three straight road playoff wins, including wins over Breeze and Rodgers. Uh, I said earlier this week that if they win the Super Bowl on Sunday, uh, Brady will finish off the most impressive individual season when you just take into account everything that we have seen perhaps in NFL history. What are the numbers telling you about how Tom Brady played this year? Has there been any drop-off at all from even just last season for him? There, there hasn't. I mean, his obvious impact on, on the Bucks was that he went from a quarterback who had 30 interceptions mm-hmm. and, and could drop that down. And the thing is, he, he's riding a fine line. It's interesting because the thing you find with, when, and when he was in New England, a lot of what they did was, a lot of his benefit was, he did well in a metric I have called bad decision rates. How many times a quarterback makes a mental error that leads to a turnover opportunity for the opposing team? When I started doing that metric back in the early 2000s, the worst quarterbacks in the league would have six percent of their passes would be that it would be a, a bad decision, and you'd see like two, two and a half percent would be like a lot of quarterbacks would be at that level. Brady came in and he would have a bad decision rate most of the time of like half of one percent. One of every two hundred passes would be a bad decision because he was just that good. And other teams figured out how to catch up with that and said, okay, now we can start doing some of the same things he does. We can start building our offenses to be lower risk. And you've seen the interception rates around the league drop. They've plummeted in the past 10 years. Having a low bad decision rate is kind of par for the course today. And what he did this year is said, okay, now I used to be this guy who's not going to take a lot of chances downfield. You put him into an Arians offense, and Arians says, I want you to take more chances. So he has forced a few more passes into coverage, but he's in an offense that says, fine, we think you can still keep your interception rates low relative to the number of risks we're going to have you take, and then you're going to be able to give us this high touchdown rate. So to be able to change from that high percentage offense that he had in New England to a more risk-taking offense and still achieve the level of success that he's done, it's been phenomenal. I have to ask, what was Jameis Winston's bad decision rate last year with Tampa? Do you have do you have any idea what that number was, even just kind of a, an approximation? I could give you an approximation because once the league, everybody got down to less than one percent bad decision rate. It wasn't there were only we only see like two or three quarterbacks who have high bad decision rates. I stopped tracking the metric just because there wasn't any predictive value. But in the games that I saw Matt, he would be, I would think, back at that. Ben Roethlisberger rookie season level or Brett Favre level of 5 and 6%. And the thing is, you could get away with that mm-hmm. back in Favre's day and in Roethlisberger's day when the league interception rates were higher. But today, if you're throwing an interception per game, it's unacceptable. You have to be throwing an interception maybe every other game in order for it to be really acceptable. You can't be over like 15 interceptions or else you're just crippling your team with turnover. So I think uh, you know, his bad decision rates had historically, by the way, he had been bad in that metric before. So I think that uh, New Orleans is going to have to correct some issues in his game if he's going to take over for Breeze next year. Yeah, Sean Payton said yesterday he expects Jameis Winston to be back. Uh, the quarterback carousel is just starting to spin. Well, well, we'll see. Right now, that is the plan. We'll see what happens with Drew Breeze, of course. We expect him to retire and, and what help happens elsewhere around the league. He's KC Joyner, the football scientist, joining us here on Live Local and Loud. Uh, KC, the, these two teams, Kansas City and Tampa, played each other nine weeks ago. It was a 27-24 Kansas City win. Now, it was a 17-0 Kansas City advantage, and Tampa from there actually outscored them 24-10. to Is there anything that, when you look at that game, you feel carries over to this game, or is it just two completely different teams at this point in time? The one thing it carries over, it's concerning for Tampa Bay because the one thing that really stands out 
is how badly Carlton Davis played. Mm-hmm. Carlton Davis from weeks one through eight was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He had a yards per target allowed of less than five. And if you're, you know, if you're less than five, if you're, if you're anywhere below six, maybe even below seven yards in yards per target, you're a very good cornerback. Between seven and nine, you're solid. Anything higher than nine, you're not good. And if you're 10 or higher, you're bad. Since then, he's allowed 11.8 yards per target on 73 targets per pro football reference, and he's allowed a 9.9 yards per target or higher in all but one game. He's been a consistently bad cornerback, and he only missed one defensive snap in all of the playoffs. He's a regular starter. He's out there all the time. He's not somebody that you're just going to be able to rotate in or something of that nature. He's somebody who they're going to go after and target, and he's somebody that – Tampa's just going to have to figure a way to give him a lot of help because you know Kansas City's going to say, fine, we're going to put Tyreek Hill on him, and if you guys move things around and, and get somebody else on Hill, if you put him on Sammy Watkins, we'll throw it Sammy Watkins. If you put him on Miko Harbin, we're going to throw it Miko Harbin. Whoever he's covering, they're going to test, so he needs to step up and have a much better game because if he plays as poorly as he did in that first contest, it's the kind of thing that's going to be tough for Tampa to overcome. Yeah, we've seen this quite a bit. Uh, teams pick on uh, that one cornerback no matter who you put him on, and uh, that could very well be the case this week for Tampa with uh, with Carlton Davis. And listen, the last time these two teams met up, Tyreek Hill had over 200 yards receiving in the first quarter, and it did not go well for Carlton Davis. Casey Joyner, he is the football scientist, joining us here on Live Local and uh, Loud. Okay, Casey, uh, l- let me get a couple of predictions out of here if you're comfortable with this. Uh, the Super Bowl MVP in your mind will be who? Uh, Super Bowl MVP, it, look, if Mahomes, they, they tend to, they want to give it to quarterbacks. They do. And I would think if Mahomes has... If Mahomes can throw for 300 yards, it really doesn't matter what else he does. They'll give it to him. So if I had to pick, I know it's the it's the obvious pick, but if I had to pick, he would be the favorite. Okay, so that tells me that you think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Your, your breakdown, I guess, of this game would be a Chiefs victory? It would be. Um, I did a deeper dive analysis on a, a site called NFLPickWatch.com. I do a, a, an article. I did a weekly pick article for them, and I wrote an article up about it. And, yeah. It's not. I don't think it's going to be. I'm not like picking Kansas City to win, you know, like their hands down a lock pick or anything of that nature. But if I look at past the victory, Bill Parcells used to say that when he'd go into a game, he'd say, "If we play this game ten times, how often is my team going to win this game?" I'm looking at this. It's it's five and a half to four and a half. I'm picking the Kansas City to win only by a small margin, just because unless Tampa can turn it into one of those aforementioned shootout games, I just think that the game doesn't bode well for them. I don't think they're slated to win a low-scoring contest, so they're going to have to find a way to make sure that Mahomes. They're going to get a pick off of Mahomes, maybe two, something of that nature, to make sure that they end drives quickly and keep that, those drives going. But I think they have to go into that type of mode to say we've got to go airing it out bombs away to go get this game and if they do i think they could win 34 31 but i think that the chiefs are probably going to win this game more like 27 20 well either way i signed me up for either one of those games after uh, the last time we saw brady in the super bowl and it was like 13 to 3 or something so sign me up for that <laughs> yeah we don't get a quarterback matchup like this often brady against mahomes uh, i know you're going to be watching on sunday i will be too enjoy it casey joiner he's the football scientist casey i appreciate the time great to be here